The following sermon was delivered by Executive Pastor Reverend Dr. Jonah So in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to fapc.org. And now, here is Reverend Dr. Jonah So. How are you doing spiritually? How are you doing? spiritually. I'll give you another second to think about that and whatever your answer might be, positive, negative, I surmise that I think one thing that feels like it short circuits our spiritual life is anxiety. Our lives are filled with it. Work related, you wonder, do I make enough money? How secure is my job? That job creeps into my personal life. I'm bored and unchallenged. I'm overwhelmed. I hate my boss. I hate my coworkers. They hate me. <laughs> or your personal life. I'm so alone. I'm unfulfilled. My physical needs unmet. My emotional needs unmet. I'm so tired of irrelevant advice from everyone. I'm unsatisfied with the way I look. I am so tired. I want to be accepted on my terms. I'm not where I want to be. My faith is fake. Parenting. My kids don't listen to me. They're not doing what the other kids are doing. I'm having difficulty trusting them. I feel disconnected from them. I'm not engaged enough. Or relationships. I miss my friends. I don't have time for them. They don't have time for me. My family member is dying. I'm struggling caring for me and my own. How am I supposed to care for others? What if some, something shameful I did comes up from the past? What if someone I care about does something shameful? I mean, we could go on and on. And in one way or another, I think that we all understand these issues. We are clear that this is an inescapable reality of human life. Yet I also think that there's an inclination among believers to think that Jesus is actually exempt from the reality of our human experience that we just named. And a corollary that stems from this idea is that those who follow Jesus should also be untouched by troubling times, right? If you really believe. So allow me to pause and anchor us to a foundational concept that is, in my opinion, best expressed by Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This is not the passage, but I just want to anchor us here. For Hebrews 4:15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Jesus lived a completely human life. He went through all that we go through. Anxiety, he fully knew what it was like. 
And that's why we want to learn from him today. See, if we don't establish this first, then we will be dismissive and hear the story and say, ah, but that's Jesus. He doesn't really know what I'm going through. So let's listen in on the word of God as it comes to us from Mark chapter 14, starting with the 32nd verse. They went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you might not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. You'll notice that in the verses, they're numbered. So I'm going to be referencing that a lot today. So if you have your heads down looking at the stuff, that's totally cool. Uh, we'll go back and forth into the, in and out of the reading. While the setting of this passage is the Garden of Gethsemane, the context is such that Jesus is about to be arrested, put on trial, and ultimately executed. So the source of deep anxiety for Jesus is impending death. Amid anxiety and worry, Jesus prays. How Jesus prays models for us a way to handle our own anxieties and worries. Let's look at verses 32 through 34. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. Jesus goes to pray. Yet he does, does not pray on his own. He tells his 12 disciples that he's going to pray. But of the 12, he only takes with him three. 
the three closest, Peter, James, and John. So to the general disciples, he says, who are his friends, Jesus outwardly expresses signs of distress and agitation. You know that feeling, right? When you can tell when someone is agitated. And he tells them that he's grieved. And he asks his friends to stay with him and keep awake. And by awake, he means pray with me. When we are in a place of anxiety, we shouldn't be alone. We need a community. We need people to pray with us. And this is a very human need because we want to be connected and feel supported, especially in times of high anxiety. If we were to place ourselves into Jesus' part in the story, the disciples might be our network of friends, our family, our church. And while they might generally know that you are praying, they are not necessarily informed of the details. However, Peter, James, and John, they're invited deeper into the situation. And they're even more exposed to the raw emotions of our distressed Jesus. So I wonder, who are your Peter, James, and John? But it is important to make a note of the role of these three. Jesus wants their company. He wants their support. He wants their prayers. But Jesus must deal with and accept the reality to the limits of what other people can do, as verses 37 and 39 through 41 say. He came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? The friends were present, but they could not do anything for Jesus. Sometimes I think that churchgoers are hesitant to share prayer requests with other people because it feels, if we're brutally honest, that prayers are ineffective. Will you really pray? Does does your prayer really have any effect in my situation, circumstance, and life? In other words, they can't really help us, so why bother telling them about it? And Jesus experiences this very thing. Yet, Jesus invites his friends. Yes, he asked them to pray. And no, they did not do a good job. To be fair, they probably had their own anxieties and were dealing with the fact that their master said, I'm going to die. But it's safe to assume that Jesus knew this. He wanted their company. He wanted their presence. And they gave it to him. How do you imagine hearing Jesus speaking his words. 
Is it always very holy and, and dignified? For me, it makes sense to add the inflections in his voice that demonstrate distress and agitation, grief, as he speaks and talks to his friends. When we do that, Jesus sounds just like us. And I've observed that we can only afford to speak like this to those closest to us. To those in whom we have utter confidence that they would help shoulder our fear and frustration. And Jesus had good friends. Church is a place that you can find and be such a friend. I want to offer an observation of Jesus' prayer life. When Jesus went to pray, Jesus' attitude in prayer was genuine and confident. Here, verse 35. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. This was not a dignified act. Jesus threw himself on the ground. He completely took on the posture of a desperate beggar. The best, most dramatic is when a kid wants something, begging, 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 you say no, and then they just collapse. Oh, and they just, like, just melt. It's not dignified. It's just to say how disappointed and how much they want it. And that's what Jesus does. It just melts into the ground, begging, desperate. And he fell to the ground and begged that he would not have to do what he was about to do. Jesus was clearly genuine with God. Further, in verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus called out to God, not as God, but rather appealed to the relationship he taught us about, Father. But he took it even a step further. The term Abba is a word little children use to call their parent. Today's equivalent would be Daddy. The grown man, Jesus, was crying out to his daddy, using a phrase a babbling baby would. Yet this childlike language reflected also an amazing childlike confidence that for the heavenly parent, all things are possible. Jesus demonstrates to us how our prayers ought to be genuine and confident and we would do well to pray in such a way but how much should we pray jesus shows us this in verse 35 39 and 41 and going a little further he threw himself on the ground and prayed and again he went away and prayed saying the same words he came a third time and said to them said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Jesus went to pray three times for his anxiety. 
It was not a one and done method. He prayed multiple times. And if you notice, he even prayed the same words. His prayer didn't change. He did not come up with a new approach. He appealed to the Father repetitively. While the time frame of today's passage is a span of several hours, Jesus' actions are a guide to show us how we ought to pray in the time frame of our regular lives. Jesus faced imminent danger, yet he made the time to pray. In other words, in the midst of all the busy worrying we think he had to do, he sets aside time to pray. Yes, Jesus was genuine. Yes, Jesus was confident. Yet, Jesus prayed multiple times over his anxiety. And he teaches us that we too ought to make time to pray for our anxiety. Here again, verses 37 and 39. He came and found them sleeping. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. Jesus prayed for an hour the first time. If he prayed the same words the second time, we can probably assume he prayed for another hour. And he prays three times in the span of today's passage. So it's reasonable to conclude that he spent three hours praying. Depending on context, three hours is huge or not huge of an amount of time. For a child's daily screen time, huge. <laughs> For a round of golf, not enough. In the midst of his impending betrayal and arrest, Jesus spent time praying multiple times for a substantial amount of time. And I want to note here that Jesus was a person who prayed daily throughout his entire life. He didn't just decide to pray because this was an emergency situation and I got to do something different. So for an individual who prayed daily, in times of anxiety, Jesus spent even more time praying. Now, I'm not here to quantify or try to quantify how much time we ought to pray and prescribe that to you. I will propose that we need to intentionally spend time praying when we are facing anxiety. And if you notice, Jesus' prayer was technically ineffective, as verses 35 and 36 show. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, this is prayer. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. By being confident and genuine, by going to the Father repeatedly over a lifetime, did Jesus get what he wanted in his greatest time of need? Did the hour pass from him? Did the cup get removed? No. Then what is there to learn from Jesus' ineffective prayer life? Before Jesus prayed, Jesus was visibly distressed and agitated. He was deeply 
grieved. He was, for all intents and purposes, an emotional wreck. He did not want to do the thing for which he came to earth. At the end, he wanted another way. He begged for another way. He requested that God clear this problem from his plate. And we often, in this situation, do that when we pray. We just want God to take care of it. Make it disappear, God. But in going to God in prayer, Jesus was able to tune into God. The problem did not change, but Jesus was able to experience the presence of God in a situation that should have made him completely fall apart. Here, verse 36. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Yet not what I want, but what you want. This portion of the prayer is what kept Jesus going back to the Father. It's as if he's saying, I, I, I'm not quite sure what you're saying, Father. Can, can you tell me again? I mean, how many of us have learned major concepts the first time around? You know, at school, at work, or in life. Did you just get it when you, when you heard it? Some of you, I'm sure, have. But for most of us, we hear something, it's not internalized yet. You got you to hear it again. You got to hear it over and over. You got to digest it. You have to process it. And prayer does all of these things. As Jesus spent time in prayer, Jesus was able to understand God's will more and more. And the understanding of God's will brought peace. It did not change the circumstances, but it changed the individual who had to deal with the circumstances. Jesus started in Gethsemane, quivering in anxiety and fear. By the time he leaves Gethsemane, verses 41 and 42 show that Jesus is different. He came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus' tone and attitude change. Debilitating fear and anxiety has transformed and has been channeled into a sense of purpose and resolve. The situation has not changed, but the way Jesus faces it has. To recap, Jesus dealt with anxiety. Jesus prayed genuinely and confidently. Jesus found support from others. Jesus made time to pray. Jesus prayed repetitively. Jesus spent time in the presence of God. And Jesus' attitude toward anxiety changed. I want to offer three suggestions on how we can pray in the face of our anxiety. The first would be, 
Put, your, put down your phone or remote and reclaim the small moments. I wrote this and I was like, oh, I don't want to say this, but hey, since it's here. <laughs> On a recent weekend, I woke up and I didn't pick up my phone. And that's weird, you know. And I kept it down and, and then I made a choice to talk to Jennifer. It was a bit awkward at first because there were just so many entry points and so many, like, conversations we should have and, and things to talk about. And just so many, I was, like, paralyzed by choice. I was like, well, how do I enter this highway? You know, I didn't know where to start. But we ended up talking. We talked. We connected. And then we enjoyed that extra touch point that morning. I mean, it wasn't like a four-hour conversation. It was just a morning conversation. It was just before the day started. And sheepishly, after that moment, I was like, oh, that was, that was so great. <laughs> and she, like, I'm sure she was rolling her eyes, like, yeah. But she was trying to be supportive. And she was like, you know, yeah, she agreed. And she added that normally when I pick up the phone, she, like, looks and thinks, fine, I'll, I guess I'll do the same, you know, and she picks up hers, and, you know, you can see where that goes day to day, every day. But that glimpse into the cool little moment, it was precious. You know why? Because God has an amazing ability to speed up and slow down time. Do you know what I'm talking about? God has the ability to speed up and slow down time, because a moment can feel like an eternity. And an hour of prayer can sometimes feel like a brief moment. Let's give God that chance to surprise you by claiming those small moments. Second, practice mindfulness with God. Like, look for God. Seek God. Be active. When we slow down, when we stop rushing, we're more able to see things that we might otherwise miss. We're in a better situation to look past the negative, and we become more aware of beauty and good things. Be in the presence of the Father. Be in the presence of Jesus. We learn from God that way. Kids learn from parents that way. Is it because they're going to grow up thinking, oh, father said all of this. No, it's going to be like, father showed me to do this. Demonstrated it. That's how they learn. Friends, you guys start using the same language and mannerisms. Coworkers, you pick up your work culture. Why? How? By presence. You start acting like them because you've been around them. And third, give yourself the opportunity to connect and engage in community. Don't be afraid of the question, how are you doing spiritually? Ask it and answer. Like Peter, James, and John, you are not expected to solve the problem. Your presence is powerful in someone else's life. Sit there while they pray. After all, 
Jesus simply requested this of his friends. Sit here while I pray. Anxiety is a reality that never goes away. It was for Jesus and it is for us. But just as Jesus showed us how he dealt with anxiety, we too can deal with it through prayer on our own and with others. All glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, go forth in the name of the Lord. This is God's charge. To give our allegiance to Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded. May God bless you and keep you. May God be kind and gracious to you. May God look upon you with favor and bring us all peace. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.